Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. Let me tell you about something that we're pretty excited about today. Uh, Many of you gave last year towards helping us with a video ministry, and we've been kind of working on that. So today, for the first time, I get to look at the camera at the back of the room and welcome our audience who is watching a live stream of Hope Fellowship Church Worship. Thank you, Bill. And so that's an exciting thing. So now you know if you have to miss church, you're going to be able to see it uh, out there, which is just awesome. Thank you to those of you who gave. Now, normally right now we receive an offering. Hold on just a minute. We're not going to do that quite yet. Uh, Because there are things that are just too good to share with you that play out during the week on social media. And so something happened this week that is just, I was like, no, I'm not going to wait. We're going to wait until Sunday to share this with the church. And um, this Thursday, something really, really significant happened. We've got some pictures to share with you. So look at picture number one, part of what happened this Thursday. That's a great picture, man. What happened? It didn't save. Do we have time to fix that or that's just no? Huh? Oh, you you need the drive that's in my pocket? Well, how long will that take? It's flying through the air. All right. Well, while they're doing that, wow, man, that just kind of let the air out of that tire, didn't it? Sometimes things happen. This is what happens when you have church in a school. You come in every week, there's nothing here, nothing. We set it all up and we we do it. But uh, while while they're working on that, this will just take a moment. Let me do this. Let me just invite you. Hey, if you haven't been a part of our new Hope Groups ministry, bah, um, what was that? What was that? Come tonight at 530. Yeah, that's on video now. Totally embarrassing. We're, we're live streaming and we messed up the pictures, for goodness sake. This coming uh, tonight at 5.30, join us. Here's what happens. If you haven't been yet to our, our group's ministry, you walk into the gym. We've got tables set up all over the gym. And uh, many people are in hope groups, but some of our church families not. So if you've never been, we'll help you find your way to a group. And we start right at 5.30. We have child care for kids ages babies all the way up to fifth grade. So adults, you can actually have a conversation with other adults, and we talk about God's Word. It's just that simple. Then we talk about how do we apply this in our lives if we're going to live out our faith. How how does all this work? So that's going to happen tonight. It happens every other Sunday night at 5.30 right here in the gym. How are we doing back there? Are we good? So picture number one. All right, let me me explain. Man, those are four good-looking guys at a table, right? Yeah. Um, starting from the left, that's Marty Edwards. He's our vice chairman of deacons. That's Mark Lewis in the green, chairman of deacons. That's Chris Dalton, our new treasurer, and yours truly. Anybody want to guess where we're at? 
Let's look at the next picture. Picture number two. Oh, look. We're signing paperwork. Well, let's look at picture number three. Oh, well, that, that kind of got stretched. I don't know what happened there. This is what happens when you're working on the fly. Oh, there we go. Uh, Monica and Shauna were there. And look, they're pushing the papers across the table. Wow, they were even players. What's the next picture? All right, people. On Thursday, we closed on the new property at Lee Victory Parkway. Yeah. I've got one more picture. Yeah, the thumbs up, the thumbs up. Now, here, here's this whole journey, church. Um, did I cry in that office? Ask those guys, yes. Did we pray before we started signing anything? Yes. What had totally escaped my mind was the significance of the date. Thursday, February the 20th, 2020. That was at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I get home. It's 5.30. I don't know. I'm sitting there. I do what we do way too often. Let's look at Facebook and scroll through and look. And a memory on Facebook. Let's check this out. What is a memory from today? Nine years ago to the day. February the 20th, 2011 was the very first Sunday we gathered in this gym for worship. And so I started crying again. But there were tears of joy. To think that the Lord would allow this to be orchestrated in a way that nine years to the day we were able to close, it, it's, it's really a God thing. And I will forever be humbled by our journey and what God wants to do next. But man, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not just going to put that out there on Facebook. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I wanted to share that with you here at church this morning. So uh, let's do this. Let me get our volunteers to come. We're going to take just a moment. Uh, many of you know, unless this is your first time here in a few weeks, Go ahead, you guys, and start when you want. As we receive tithes and offerings, I'm actually in a series on giving. I read a book that pretty much changed my life called The Blessed Life. Some of the most powerful teaching in the entire Bible about giving. And so we're going to continue with that today. So thank you. I want to give you a moment to give. Remember, you can do that through the baskets, and then you can give online on our website, or you can even text, text your gift in. As many of you, surprisingly... Or maybe not. Many of you text your, your offering each Sunday. Church, would you join me in, in prayer? Heavenly Father, I'm, I'm so very thankful, uh, God, for all that you have done and all that we know you will continue to do. God, we're, we're just one little church right here, kind of in the northern part of Rutherford County. And Lord, you have done some miraculous things in us and through us that we, we never want to forget. And so these nine years, Lord, ha have been full of highs and lows and 
times of celebration and times of mourning. God, all of these emotions, and yet the truth is in all of it. Oh God, you've been with us and you've been faithful. And so God, we know, we believe that, um, God, there are great days ahead. But Lord, we also know that as you guide us and, and as you bless us, you call us to be obedient and to be faithful to you in all things. So God, we just, we want to follow you. We want to hear from you. We want to learn from you. We want to honor you. God, we want to love the people the way your son Jesus loves. And so we're asking you to use us for your glory. Thank you for this time today. Thank you for what you did through allowing us to purchase this church and property on on Lee Victory Parkway. God, I pray for those folks as they've just, they've been on a roller coaster ride. God, would you overwhelm them with your grace and your power, your comfort and your provision. Bless them even today. Open our hearts now to hear from you as we open the Bible and we learn. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. All right. I I mentioned this just a minute ago. This is week number three of a sermon series called The Blessed Life. Uh, The story goes like this. I was given a book 17 years ago. I didn't read it. I put it on the shelf. People over time continue to ask, have you read it? Have you read it? Have you read it? I said, no, no, no. And finally, after talking to a pastor friend in East Tennessee, he said, Kent, read this book. It's some of the greatest, most powerful teaching I've ever seen about what the Bible says about giving. So that's where we're at. Let, Let me say this to you on week number one. I challenged you to to be here for every single Sunday. So some of you here today, just going to say, like you're three for three. Just pat yourself on the back if you're three for three, all right? You're you're in this and you're with us. If by chance you missed week number one or week number two, I really encourage you to go back. I would like for you to listen so you can go to our church website to do that. Okay, today, Exodus chapter 13. If you brought a Bible, please get it, open it up. If you, you know, use your phone or whatever, Exodus Second book of the Bible, chapter 13, is where we're going to be at today in God's Word. Before, before I get into it, let me say this. Out of, out of all the scripture and the teachings in this series, I believe that today, what, what we're looking at today, it is the most important biblical principle of the whole series. And so what I want to say to you today is just hold on. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture, but, but I think you're all going to learn something today. This truth rocked my world. I don't know how else to say it. Never in my life have I... I'm like, how have I missed some of this? I've heard, I've heard sermons on giving and tithing all my life, yet I don't know that I've ever heard this teaching. And so today's sermon is called The Principle of First. The principle of first. And here's what I believe. I think you'll agree with me. If God, listen to me, if God is first in your life, everything will come into order. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying you're never going to have troubles. I'm not saying you're never going to have trials. I'm not saying there will never be tribulation because if you've read your Bible, you know that Jesus himself said... In this world, you will have trouble. But here's a question. Would you rather go through trials with everything in order or with everything out of order? 
If Christ is truly first in your life, everything will come into order. But if Jesus is not first, nothing is going to be in order. God has to be first if if you want to find order in your life. So let me show you this principle. And by the way, what we're studying today, it runs all the way through Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You'll see this principle taught in the Bible. Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Let's just jump into it. And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all of the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, God says, it is mine. Now, now please note, when God says, it is mine, uh, this is deep theology right here. You know what that means? It is mine. That's what it means. God says the firstborn of both man and beast, man and animal, he says, it is mine. Now, keep reading with me. This time, jump down, same chapter to verse 12, Exodus 13, 12. Here are more instructions. And you shall set apart, that, that set apart, it means to, to, to make holy. You shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, here are the instructions, every firstborn that comes from an animal. So think about this. Every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have, the males, the male firstborn from all the animals shall be the Lord's. But now it gets even more specific. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, in other words, God is saying, if you're not going to do it my way, if you're not going to redeem it, then you shall break the neck of the animal. And it's it's basically like, if you don't do it my way, you're going to lose this animal anyway. And all the firstborn of man, now we're talking about man, and all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Here's my first point today. Today's sermon has three points if you're taking notes. Truth number one, point number one. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must be sacrificed to redeem. This principle being taught here, as I said, you'll see it throughout the entire Bible. So so think about this. You receive this truth. The question now to ask is, when when you read this, well, well, how do I know? How, How do I know if I'm supposed to sacrifice or if I'm supposed to redeem? Well, and so look back to the verse. If you look at the verse, you'll see two animals. These animals, catch this, they're examples of categories of animals. The donkey, one category of animals. The lamb, another category. Now, don't miss this. The donkey represents unclean animals. The lamb represents clean animals animals. So how do you know what to do? Here's what scriptures, the this Bible says. If it's a clean animal, the firstborn has to be sacrificed. If it's an unclean animal, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice 
of the clean. If it's clean, if it's the firstborn, it has to be sacrificed. And some of you right now, you're like, oh, wow. You, you see exactly where this is going. If it's unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean. Now, let me show you how this applies by asking you group participation, just a couple of questions. When, when you were born into this world, all of you in this room, when you were born into this world, were you born spiritually clean or unclean? Group participation. All right, unclean. We were, every single one of us, we were born into sin. And let me just, time out, let me just prove this by asking a question to every parent in this room today. Parents, here's your question. Did you have to teach your child to be bad? No, you did, you did not. That, it just came naturally for them, right? We, we have to teach them to be good. The Bible says we, we are all born with this sin nature in us. We're all born into this world unclean. Okay, question number two. Was Jesus Christ born into this world clean or unclean? Clean. Please listen. Right here. The clean Jesus Christ had to be sacrificed so that the unclean, all of us, could be redeemed. This is what Scripture says in the Old Testament. That's how important this principle is in what we're going to talk about today. It runs throughout the whole Bible. So how does this return? You're like, man, what, well, hold on. I thought we were talking about giving and tithing. We are. How, how, does this, how does this refer to tithing? Now, before I jump into that, let me, let me say this. It's another concept. I had not, I, I think I kind of thought about this, but I just really hadn't sat down and, and like meditated and processed and thought about what the Bible truly says until just a couple months ago. Listen, here it is. Jesus is God's tithe to us. Now just think about that for a minute. I'm going to come back to it and talk about it. But first, I want you to, I want you to process some of this with me. I want you to understand that the Bible teaches us clearly that we are to give the tithe first. We're to give the tithe first. First, for example, you, you don't like just go pay all of your bills and then like, oh, let's see if I got enough money left over to, to tithe. No, the Bible teaches you give the tithe first. Scripture shows us, I'm going to show you more, more scripture today. It's not just, listen to me, it's not just 10%, but it's the first 10%. And to do that, to do that, friends, it takes great faith to give the first. So here's the teaching. God says right here in this, this scripture, when you, when you have a sheep and that sheep has a little lamb, God says, I want you to give me the first one. 
the firstborn. He says, I want you to give me the first one. It takes faith to give the first one because, church, think about it. You don't know if your sheep is going to have any more. God didn't say, okay, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you some time here. Let's wait and see if your sheep has 10 or 12, you know, lambs. And then whenever you're ready, you can like give me one of them. And while you're at it, why don't you just give me the one that maybe you don't like? You know, the one that's kind of puny, the one, you know, getting, getting loose or whatever. It, no. God said, give me the first one before you ever have any others. We give the first 10% and think about it because it's already the Lord's anyway, and we give it in faith. Now, go back to this statement I made about Jesus being God's tithe, and this will help you. I, I said that because God gave Jesus first. Think with me. God did not wait around on us. Well, let me wait a while and see if these people can get all their stuff together. Let me see if they can straighten up their life. Let me see if they can get cleaned up before he gave his son Jesus to us. No, no, you think about it. The New Testament tells us God gave his son Jesus when we were spitting on him and when we were mocking him and when we were nailing him to a cross. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says it like this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so I want you to understand what, what this text is teaching. Watch. When you give the first to God, the rest is redeemed. And, and so here's what this means. Just Let's make it practical. We don't give our first to the mortgage company because the mortgage company does not have the power to redeem us or to bless us. But God does. God does. The first portion, the first 10% goes to God. So point number one, the firstborn must be sacrificed to redeem. Point number two is this, the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. And honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Uh, let me say this about the Proverbs text. I talked about this last week. This is the book of Proverbs. This is not the law. This is hundreds of years after the law. And so what, what we're learning today, again, it's a principle that we see from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Look at Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. It's like the double whammy of communication right here. Look, the first of the first fruits. Let's, it's like, we, just in case we don't get it. And so the first of the first fruits of your land, look at this, you shall bring. You shall bring them into the house of the Lord, your God. So let's talk about what, what Scripture says here. God says, bring your first fruits. Bring the first 10% into God's house. And, and I will just say this. I've had this conversation uh, before, and I think I've probably been a, a little too 
conservative in my response, but people will say this. Some people will say, well, Kent, um, man, here's what I think I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to give like 4% to the church, and then I'm going to give uh, 2% to this missionary that I love, and then I'm going to give 2% to the United Way, and then I'm going to give 2% to, to Meals on Wheels. And like all of that's good stuff, right? It's good stuff. But I, I can only say to you, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And, and seriously, for some of us in this room, for some of you, maybe you're seeing this taught in a way you've never been taught for the first time in your life. And so according to Scripture, it, it doesn't tell me to like divide up my tithe into all these little categories. Now, here's something else I want you to see. It, it was right here in this text we just read. The Bible does not say to give your first fruits, but watch, it says to bring them. You're like, why does that matter? The reason God uses the word bring instead of give is because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. It's all the Lord's. It's all His. And I know this is strong, so maybe this is a good time for everybody to take a deep breath. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. you got to hear my heart. I'm not mad at anybody. Man, I'm, I'm like... I'm like at the top of the mountain. God is at work. So I'm not angry with you. I'm just, I'm, we're walking through this together. But hear me, according to Scripture, there are only two things you can do with the tithe. Two things. You, you can bring it to God or you can steal it. You can bring it to God or you can steal it. Now, you're like, what are you talking about? Steal it. We talked about it last week, but I'm going to give you another Bible story right now to help you understand. Do you, how many of you remember Joshua? Joshua and the Israelites, you know, they marched around the walls of the city Jericho. And when I was a wee little boy, yeah, here it goes. You're like, oh, here it comes. I learned a song. How many of you learned the song? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls come tumbling down. Yeah, some of you were with me on that. And so that's what happened. That, that's in God's word. It really happened. The walls fall down. Now, this, I'm about to show you what I'm talking about. What do you mean stealing from God? The army takes the city, and, and God very clearly says, here's the deal. Here's the deal, Israelites. All of the silver and gold in the city, it, it's all sacred to the Lord. God says, the silver and gold in the city, he says, it's, it's mine. There it is again. God says, it's mine. He says in Scripture, bring the silver and gold into the treasury. Bring it into God's house. And he says, the victory will be yours. You're going to be blessed. That's Joshua chapter 6. Great story in God's word. The very next battle after Jericho, we're now in Joshua chapter 7. The very next battle from 6 to 7, 
the Israelites were routed. They were routed by another army. You're like, hold on. What in the world? From chapter 6, the victory, to chapter 7, they're defeated and routed. What, what, you know, what happened to the blessing from God? You read the story, Joshua chapter 7. There was one dude. One guy. His name was Achan. And the brother was greedy. After the walls fell at Jericho, Achan decided, man, I'm a, I know that we're not supposed to do this, but I'm going to get me some of that gold and silver. He was greedy. He coveted after the gold and silver, and he stole what was God's. And because of that, the Israelites were cursed. They were defeated by the soldiers from the other city. As you read that story, here's the point. Joshua chapter 6, God calls the tithe consecrated. He calls it sacred, set apart. But in chapter 7, one chapter later, after Achan took some of the gold and silver, God says, Israel has stolen from me, and they were cursed. The tithe is consecrated when you bring it to God's house. But it's cursed when you leave it in your bank account. Here's my question. Why would any of us, why would you want something cursed in your bank account? I, mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like most of us have enough problems with our bank accounts as they are, right? And, and yet, perhaps we're stealing from the Lord. Now, I got to say this again. All, everything I'm talking about, it requires great faith. It takes faith to believe that 90% redeemed and blessed will go further than 100% cursed. Now, you've, told, you've heard me, I think, talk about how sometimes we'll, we'll read God's Word and we'll, just, we'll read it too fast and we'll miss something and we won't see a teaching. I'm about to share a text with you now from Genesis about this principle of the first fruits. I had never seen this in my life. So look with me. At, I want to share this with you just real quick. Genesis verse 3 through 5. What is it? What is, how, this begins in Genesis. Look at this. Adam and Eve. Here we go. And in the process of time, think about that little brief phrase. In the process of time, time is happening. It came to pass. Just, you know, it kind of happened that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought, look what he did, of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. So Cain, just kind of in the process of time, hey, here's some fruit on the ground, I'll take this and it'll be my offering. Abel, very different, taking bringing the firstborn of the flock. And the Lord, look at this, and the Lord respected or the Lord received Abel and his offering, 
But he did not respect or he did not receive Cain and his offering. Scripture says, and Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Listen, I, I've read that. I've never thought much about why did, why did God receive Abel's offering and why did he reject Cain's offering? And now that I've studied this principle of first, think about this. Abel, he was a rancher. And he did exactly what God commanded. He brought the firstborn of his flocks to God. But Cain, who was a farmer, he didn't bring the first fruits. The scripture is kind of in the process of time, and, and he found some fruit on the ground. And God said, I'm going to accept Abel's offering, but God said, I'm going to reject Cain's offering. Now, hold on to that, and I want to take you a little further to, to make a point. I want, I want to challenge you. It's not only that God wouldn't receive Cain's offering, but God couldn't. There are some things that God cannot do. God cannot act outside of himself. God cannot act outside of his character. For example, uh, one of the things that God can't do, God can't change. God can't change. In, in theology, this is called the immutability of God. God can't change. And think about this. The reason God can't change is because if God could change, he could get better. And God can't get better because, because he's perfect. He can't change. Another example, God can't think the way we think. Can't. The reason God can't think the way we think is because God is omniscient. You've probably heard of the omniscience of God. Now, if you break that word down, omni and science, it's those two words. And let's just really practical. What does that mean? What does it mean that God is omniscient? Science means knowledge. Omni means all. So here's what we know about God. God, God has all knowledge. He doesn't think the way we think. Think about you and me. Here's how we think. We're always thinking to try to like figure things out. We want to figure things out. God, you're not trying to figure anything out. You know, for God, nothing's like, oh, you know, it just occurred to me. He never says that. God has never said, huh, well, I just thought about that for the very first time. He doesn't say those kinds of things. And that's because God knows everything. He knows everything all at the same time. I know, and it's like mind blown. It, it's a lot. Now, you know, let me tell you why this matters. Here's why this matters. Because God, listen to me, can't be second. This is called the preeminence of God. It means that God is not only first of all, but he is before all. He can't, he can't be second. 
And you know, here, here's what we do. Most of us, we, all, we do this. We talk about, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put God first. And that's good. I'm glad to put God first. But I want you to know, even if you don't put God first, listen, he's still first. He is. Even if you don't put him first. Now, here's why I'm telling you this. I want you to think about this when it comes to the tithe. And please listen to me. In a spirit of love, I'm not mad at anybody. We're just learning what the Bible says. I'm not angry. Hear my heart. But I need to say this to you. You can tell me all day long, all day long, that God is first in your life. But let me see your bank account. And then I'll be able to tell you who's first. It it might be Amazon. It might be Bass Pro Shops. It, it might be your favorite sports team. Where does the first 10% go? And that's who's first. That's who's first. Point number one. The firstborn must be sacrificed to redeem. Point number two, the first fruits must be offered. And then point number three, the tithe must be first. Look at Leviticus with me. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And all of the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, it's all the Lord's. And here it is again. It is holy. That word holy, it means it's set apart. It is set apart to the Lord. Okay, let me, let, I know this is heavy, so let's, let's, here again, take a deep breath. Let me illustrate this to you, and I think you'll get this. Let's pretend uh, just for a minute this morning that uh, my wife and I, in our home, we would like to have some built-in bookshelves. Amen? I knew I'd get a witness. Okay. You know, there's this, there's this wall at the back of the kitchen that looks at... It's, it's, it's a great wall with a beautiful big window, but we want, she wants some bookshelves. And so what we've done, we have agreed, my wife and I, that we're going to hire you. We're, you're the one. You're the one for the job. And so you come over to the house. You know, you've got your calculator. You do all the math. You take the measurements. You know exactly how much money you're going to have in materials. You know how much time, labor, the whole thing... And then, and then when the job is done, after you've, you know, you've paid for all your materials, all your expenses, the job is now done, and you have realized your increase, your increase is a thousand bucks. That's your take. That's what you're going to take home. And so let me just say to you, good job. Like you potentially could be the next Chip or Joanna Gaines, okay? You got this going on. I'm proud of you. We love it. So you're like, oh, man, that was good. I got to help Pastor Kent and his wife, and they love the bookshelves, and now you got this $1,000 of increase. So I want you to imagine with me. Here we go. We're still imagining that that $1,000, that uh, it's now 10 $100 bills. You're like, oh, yeah. You know, you're excited. You got the 10 $100 bills. So now here's the question. 
Simple math. Let's see how many of you are doing good in math today. If you're going to tithe 10% on that increase, how much would you bring back to God's house? How much? Thank you. I could, I could, one, I, yeah, there's a lot of murmuring there. $100. You're correct. Now remember, you have 10 $100 bills. Here's the more specific question. Which $100 bill is the tithe? I heard somebody say the first one. You're absolutely correct. The first one. But I want you to think about it like this. Your tithe should be the first $100 bill that leaves your hand, according to what Scripture teaches us. I don't know what that was, but I'm just going to keep rolling. Here's what a lot of us do. Watch this. You got the ten hundred dollar bills. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give, uh, I'm gonna give to the mortgage, and I'm gonna pay some utility bill, and I'm gonna pay some car payment, and you're counting, and I gotta, I gotta pay this guy for that. And oh wait, now, now, oh, I almost forgot. Got to give God His part. But if you're going in that order, no. If you're waiting till the last to give God His part. What you really did is you gave God his part to the mortgage company. And what a lot of people do, this is so very common, you start counting it out. Well, I need to pay this, and I need to pay this, and I need to pay this, and I need to pay that. And, oh, when I finally get to God, what I'm giving him is leftovers. Sometimes we even say, sorry, God, there wasn't enough left over for you. And I want to say something if this applies to you. Again, I'm not upset. It is by the grace of God that the Lord allows me to be your pastor. I just want you to know, if that's kind of been what you've been doing, if you're giving your leftovers to God, he wouldn't accept them anyway because our God does not accept leftovers. Like, what are you talking about? Malachi chapter 1, it, it happened. God says to his people, you're bringing me sacrifices of blind animals. You're bringing to me lame animals. You're bringing to me sick animals. You're bringing to me your leftovers is what he's saying. And God says in Malachi chapter 1, I will not accept them. Why? Because the tithe must be first. So, so practically, let's just, let's just talk about as practical as we can be. For, for my wife and I, what does this look like? Sean and I, uh, God gave her a great job several years ago at Tennessee Donor Services, and we're thankful for that. And so both of us were paid every two weeks. 
So every other Friday, it's like something magical happens. You know, online, this money's transferred into our checking account. It's like, wow, that, how did that happen? I don't know, but thank you, Lord. And so that happens. And, and then before I even start to figure, and I'm the guy that pays the bills in our household, before we start to do that, before I start to figure out, well, here's what I need to pay with these paychecks, I'm still old school, and I, I do something that some of you young people may have never heard of. I write a check. Have you all ever heard of a check? It's so amazing. And so I write out a paper check to Hope Fellowship Church for our tithe. Then I also write out a check towards our giving campaign called Hope for the House. And that's a commitment that my wife and I have made. If you don't know what Hope for the House is, get, there's a brochure on the back table, get one of those. But, but it's the campaign to help us prepare for our new church home. Now, I, I've been waiting to share this with you because this is some significant stuff that's played out in my life. What I just explained to you that Shauna and I really do is, is different than how I explained Hope for the House to you last November. Last November, what I said to you, and by the way, this was based on some phone conversations I had with this, you know, church fundraising consultant dude on the telephone, and I said, church, we're going to do a one-fund offering. And I said, everyone, we're asking you to give to just one fund, and what I said was, as we exceed our weekly budget needs, the extra, I stood right here, I said, the extra will pour over into our Hope for the House fund. That's exactly what, and, and by the way, we've done that. We've been doing that every time the budget is over. But now you've got to hear my heart. Last fall, when I listened to this fundraising consultant talk about this one fund plan, um, since then, I have been very convicted. I have been convicted because according to Scripture, and not a consultant, the Bible says that we first must honor God with the tithe, period. That's what the Bible teaches. And so... If you're here and you're like, man, I have not been tithing 10%, I'm asking you to start there. Because this is the principle of the first. It's God's plan. This is how we will honor him. The tithe must be first. Now, there are many of you here today, and you tithe. Man, thank you for your commitment to that. But also, in addition to your tithing, you made a commitment to give towards hope to the house. And so you're the one that said, man, yes, I'm all in. I want to help our church prepare for our future church home. And so as we move forward, from now on, as we move forward, I'm asking those who want to designate a special offering to Hope for the House just to do that separately. I just believe this is what God's Word teaches. Now, please remember, all of this, it's all about the heart. Please remember, too, that as I stand before you today, I have been in seasons where I have struggled with all of this. Do not think that I'm perfect, that I have it all figured out. It is by God's grace that he has taught me so much about what he wants 
for me and for our church. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up now. Well, I'm going to take you all the way back to the Exodus text we started with, read a little bit more, and then I'll make one more application. Exodus chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. Look at what it says. Remember, here's what's just happened. This is the text we started with. Hey, you know, you're going to give the first of your flocks, and, and we're going to be redeemed by the sacrifice. So it shall be. Look at this. Don't, don't miss this. There's going to be a day when your son will ask you in a time to come, and your son's going to say, what is this? Your son's going to say, Mom, Dad, what in the world are you doing here with these sacrifices? And you will say to him, By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, this is what you say to your son. I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Now, that, that's a heavy text, and I think the best way to really understand it, let me, let me break this down in a, in a current-day illustration. I want you to imagine with me that uh, you're so proud of your son, and you're sending him off to college and you're like, man, my boy, he's going off to college. He's going to get his education. And he does, and he does great. And then, and then it's almost graduation time, and he's like, Dad, I'm about to graduate. And he says to you, Dad, I, man, if it's possible, I would love to like, work in our, in our family business, at our family ranch. And of course, as a dad, you're going to say, absolutely, son, come on. So the son graduates, you celebrate, he comes home. And uh, the first thing you do as a father, you say, son, here's the deal. I know you got your degree in accounting. I just want you to take over the books. Take over the books of our family ranching business. And I mean, you can help us, son. Help us guide this business. So the son begins to look at the books, and all of a sudden, he's, you know, he's doing all these calculations, and he's like, what in the world is going on here? And the son decides, you know, uh, hey, Dad, could we, could we just sit down and talk? And uh, with a humble spirit, the son says to his dad, Dad, you know, uh, you, know, you know, I'm so honored you sent me to college and now you've allowed me to come back and be a part of our family business. But, but Dad, I've, I've been looking at the books and Lord, there, there's some things that I just don't understand. And Dad, I, I honor you and I know you've always been great with our family business, but maybe there's some blind spots here and and Dad, I've been looking at the books, and, and, and I don't know how to say this, but over the past year, Dad, like, you've killed like 70 sheep. Dad, I, I don't understand. I, I mean, Dad, you know, our, this, is, this is our family business, and, and we want to, to be good with what God has given us, but Dad, I, I don't get it. And then as a father... This is exactly what this text says. You say to your son, Oh, dear son, there's some things you don't know. Because, son, there was a time when we didn't have any of this. In fact, son, there, were, there was a time when we had nothing. In fact, son, before you were even born, we, we were slaves. 
We were slaves. We were living in bondage. And we had nothing. But son, as you look at this, would you, would you just look to see how God has blessed us? Now he has provided for us. And son, by the mighty hand of God, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. And he has redeemed us. And he has rescued us. And son, because of that, I will sacrifice to the Lord. I will give him my first fruits and my firstborn because of what he has done for me. It's exactly what this text says. And as I thought about that, I was reminded of, of a story I think I've shared on Sunday morning before. Of how when I was a young boy, every single Sunday morning, our routine was like clockwork. We ate biscuits and gravy for breakfast. My mom was pretty conservative with the bacon, but on a good Sunday, I might get two pieces. But before we walked out the door, my mom, 90 years old right now, sat at our kitchen table and wrote out the tithe check. Now, as a young boy, I, I'm like, oh, whatever, I don't know what she's doing. I didn't pay much attention. But as I got older and she continued to do that, I had enough wisdom to realize, oh, that's a check. And if you fill that out and give it to someone, it's money. And when I was old enough to really realize what was going on, I looked at that. I'm like, mom, it's a lot of money. And I, I, really, I really didn't think we had that kind of money to be given to the church and, and to the Lord. And what my mom taught me was this. She said, you know, Kent, um, the Lord has really blessed your dad and I. But son, it hadn't always been like this. There were times, son, where we really didn't have anything. And we, we didn't really even know if we were going to have enough money to buy groceries for the next week. And Kent, there were times where uh, in our marriage we struggled. In fact, Kent, there was a, a day where we were pretty hopeless. But God, with a mighty hand, has provided for us and he has redeemed us and he's delivered us. What a blessing to be able to see that modeled growing up and to think that there would be years where I would try to live out that a little differently in my own household but to be able to come full circle to see this principle of the first and how significant it is to all of us who are believers. Oh, what a blessing. I want this for every one of you. And I want you to be able to be a part of what God teaches us to do so that you too, whether you're a teenager or whether you're a dad or a granddad, you'll be able to speak to your son one day.
about how God has been faithful, how he's redeemed you, and how he's blessed you. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.